0: Good morning, good afternoon. The Dharma talk for this Wednesday, this is the 19th of August, 19th of August 2020, is uh, an, what do you call it, unexplored? ignored i called it ignored that's even better and ignored frontier it's interesting i give something a name and then i forget what i named it then i have to ask somebody (laughs) what i said Uh, you'll get old too and you'll see what it's like that's a frontier you all have to look at so what i'm talking about here And I can use some questions once I get going here, then questions, and please don't hesitate. Uh, I can't really talk about something you're not ready to hear. So the ignored frontier is, of course, the mind. Um, All over the place, it's ignored. It's just used. It's called materialism, scientific materialism, material materialism, um, every kind of materialism. Wanting this, not wanting that wanting to control, wanting to gather, wanting to consume. And it's based on uh, all kinds of things that have been around for millions of years, called hunger, craving of various sorts, wanting something else, else, else. And we tend to overdo that, and it makes things complicated. And um, things change from this to that to this to that. But nothing uh, fundamentally terminates. Things change into something else, or at least appears that way. Dogan would disagree. He says firewood does not become ash. Of course, he's taking an obvious assumption that everyone has and just saying, not exactly that. We don't need to talk about Dogan's teaching. I've given talks on that topic before. Of course, we can if you have uh, some, especially new. Uh, uh, query about that uh, dynamic. We can go into that if you wish. But what I would really like to do is talk about deeper, to use the relative term, deeper or more hidden or more uh, disguised or camouflaged areas of consciousness that most of the world, most of us, most meditators don't even see. Even famous, skilled, highly accomplished wisdom people don't know about this. I'm not saying they don't know for sure, but they aren't sure enough about it to uh, bring it into their teachings or talk about it because what if they're wrong? Or perhaps there's not enough what? Evidence. All evidence is partial. You're only going to get half-truths. As long as you're looking for truth uh, in that sense of uh, proof of truth, then you're, going to get, um, not, you're not going to be, get a, a complete backup to your, that you are looking for just because of the nature of reality, relative truth, ultimate truth. So the areas I'm talking about are when we do sitting meditation and we go and we work with, <clears throat> pardon me, we work with the areas that show up in our mind that take us this way, take us that way, cause us to, be, to fret and worry, to feel discouraged, to um, feel that we're failing feel that we're succeeding for that matter. Just any kind of movement away from this and towards that, we tend to, it tends to get accompanied w- w- with the production of our mind, letting us know what's happening so we have an idea, so we know if we're getting somewhere, we're accomplishing something, if this is valuable. Here I've been spending all this time pacing a wall. Should I be doing this? What have I gotten out of this? It's a difficult area. It can be very difficult unless you have a deeper understanding of the nature of of consciousness and of your life as a human being. Most religious uh, traditions have uh, different kinds of dynamics that deal with uh, deeper levels of consciousness. The the Tibetans do, the the Shinto, the Buddhist, uh, Taoist, and also all kinds of shamanistic approaches and other uh, other cultures that have a spiritual path that tends to show up in different ways. So I'm just saying that's a very, very vast and basically unexplored, when I say it's unexplored, quite often if people get into that area, they begin to conclude too quickly and because the needing a conclusion is a part of the self-centeredness. Seems to take someone who is not looking for something uh, to really see clearly. One of the ways that this has been has shown has shown up in my experience as a Dharma teacher, uh, meeting hundreds of people as a meditation students. Since I first became became trained by Chogyam Trungpa in 1978 to teach meditation, I was taught to teach Shinay uh, Lak or mindfulness awareness. Um, uh, Shamatha Vipassana is often mostly called. Uh, Shamatha is resting in tranquility or calm abiding. And then Vipassana is a panoramic or the awareness that spreads itself out. It is said in that teaching, the way it was taught then, and the way I was taught, is that first you practice Shamatha and you, you stabilize and you learn to stabilize and you practice so that you become more and more stable. And then, after you've had this great stability, this calm abiding, this resting in tranquility, uh, then and only then, uh, it seems, I'm not here to correct anyone, that you can begin to expand out out of that uh, sort of base of, uh, of um, uh, that you could say immovable or secure base of uh, being in the body mind complex. And so, did quite a few. Quite a bit of that but what i would run into with people that i met were um often on even today is uh, people who had uh who would have meditators who were meditating who had different kinds of experiences that um that were unexplainable it's difficult to just tell somebody well that's just an illusion or that's uh, as the japanese would say that's makyo or illusion uh, go back and sit more go back and sit more Uh, Because the idea there is that however you're teaching this, uh, you're assuming that everyone's going to have very similar kind of uh, experience with consciousness that you are or that other people have uh, agreed upon that is the nature of it. Just like uh, the the model for consciousness in uh, uh, in Mahayana Buddhist approach, Zen and Chan Buddhism is uh, the uh, Yogacara teaching of uh, the eight consciousnesses. I think it's a very good uh, structure. The first five of the sense fields, the sixth one is the, is the mechanical processing aspect of the mind that, that uh, um, takes the first five and brings them together in such a way that it looks like there's, uh, they're all coming from the same consciousness, the same individual, which uh, is, uh, uh, and then leads that, that leads into other forms uh, of, or definitions or explanations or considerations about the functioning of consciousness, for instance, the seventh consciousness, or the Klesha mind, the disturbed mind, the paranoid mind, the mind that thinks it uh, needs protecting, the mind that th- thinks it needs, uh, um, uh, has uh, a sense of uh, um, some kind of prior self-priority, that aspect of the consciousness. And then the uh, Aliyavijnana, uh, which is the divided aspect or the storage area of the consciousness. Just a way of talking about it. We don't know for sure what's happening there. No one um, knows uh, for sure. But since no one does know, we tend to, people tend to use that in different ways, different uh, teaching teachings and different teachers would use those uh, ideas. They're pretty good. They're a pretty good way to look at the way the mind functions to fight with itself, to get to struggle, to get something else to empower greed and also to look at greed or grasping or, or covetousness in such a way that we can see that the, it's not just the greed and the grasping, the covetousness. It's the identity that's, that seems to be lurking in the shadows of that particular structure we call the sudden consciousness. It's seeing that, that is, it's seeing that it is unreal rather than trying to find some way to tamp those emotions, feelings, contractions, expansions, and so on. Uh, based on self-centeredness, based on wanting things to be different, as the Buddha said. So what I was endeavoring to introduce a little bit, and I'd love to have questions about this in another few minutes, is say that uh, consciousness, just say it uh, as descriptively as possible, has so many different levels. They are uncountable. Levels and 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 areas of consciousness that even though consciousness looks like one thing, and we can all agree if we talk about what what did you dream, um, we immediately know what we mean what we mean by a dream. But your experience of a dream and my experience of a dream, or your experience of a nightmare, my experience, your experience of a lucid dream, which is one where you realize you're dreaming, or my your experience of having a astral projection or actually moving through space where you can see the landscape. And my experience, or lack that, uh, never having had that experience, and you, someone tells you about that, and you, you think, you may think you, think. you could think, well, not so sure about that. But there's a tremendous amount of people that have those experiences. And these are people who are, are uh, different kinds of, uh, of travelers, either voluntary, trying to do that, or involuntary, just spontaneous uh, uh, body uh, consciousness uh, dislocating. Uh, Sometimes I have had students who come in and sit down in the meditation hall, and since they always dislocate and are able to see their body from 30 feet away in the Zendo, they think that's happening to everyone. And so when they bring it up and find out that isn't happening to everyone, they kind of quiet about it. They don't want to look too weird. But they think it's just ordinary to have that happen, just like uh, uh, lucid dreaming or bilocation, being in two places at the same time. If that's happening to you quite a bit, you're probably not going to talk about it because you find nobody else has that experience. <laughs> and, and, and you don't want to have a discussion about something that you know you can't prove, uh, have to be a pretty close uh, friend or mate or uh, have to be a close person to be able to discuss that with them. And the very nature, I'm sure you've noticed in your mind, the very nature of your mind, if you begin to look at it closely, instead of getting more and more clear, based on your idea 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 more clear based on your idea your idea of clarity it starts to get more complicated more confused that's where the temptation to grasp onto concepts ideas and beliefs becomes really strong and we start to look around for possibly another teaching possibly another teacher Possibly we don't even want to meditate. This might be too hard for us. We might even say this may not be our lifetime to do this. And perhaps not. You should trust yourself. When I say that, trust the space in which the thoughts occur, not the thoughts themselves. If you do that, then the thoughts that occur in that space uh, will come into that that space with a kind of resonance that will be fundamentally helpful to you. Because there isn't anything separate from this, which is called... suchness, it's called Tathagatagarbha. It's called, as simply put, in everyday language, it's called basic goodness. It's just basically good, basically sacred. There isn't any polarity to it. We need a polarized kind of word because what else are we gonna do? Call it cheesecake. So the first, uh, uh, I'm not gonna go through a big list, but I began looking at uh, people's, working with people's consciousnesses many, many years ago People with uh, past life experiences that seemed like that, people that had uh, other people that don't have anything like that have no idea what people are even talking about and think it's a hoax. And then other people who have experience uh, with and as aliens, with and uh, when I just just using aliens for because it's a, a term that uh, comes around quite a bit with people's different stories, movies, and so on. Uh, don't ignore that. You don't have to join it either. You don't have to go out and read a bunch of books on that, as I have. Um, but you could consider it, consider it, just consider that that's a possibility. Uh, for uh, imagine what it's like for someone who is having an experience of having an intense relationship with a, with a being who is not human. Uh, you can't just continually write those things off as, uh, they're crazy or they're psychotic or they're, they're, they're not that those things don't show up in some cases. But if you meet someone like that and you talk to them and you see the sincerity that is there, that has continuity, you uh, can't, can't dispute that. Uh, quite well-known Harvard uh, psychologist John Mack, who wrote a book called Abduction uh, that I read many, many years ago. He's passed away now in the early 90s. Really powerful book where he interviewed people who uh, had, had abduction experiences that were being taken into d- deeper layers of consciousness. And had uh, uh, experiences there, so I'm, I'm not saying uh, this is true. But I, but what you hear me say over and over again is: don't believe it, don't disbelieve it, and don't ignore it. It's very simple. All it means is: look at it, look at it, and and watch the way the ego mind wants to conclude. You don't have to conclude. You don't have to conclude anything. The world is just fine without your conclusions, without your meddling. Just observe. Just receive this life. Live your life and receive what comes your way without struggle, without acceptance, without rejection, and without ignoring. So anyway, rather than go into detailed uh, discussions um, or just de- detailed descriptions of uh, individuals, uh, s- uh, situations or situations that have come across in uh, people who have been meditation students and uh, and and other levels or other ways of exploring or looking into this based on other people's experiences, books that have been written. There's just a tremendous amount of material out there on, on deeper levels of consciousness that are not necessarily covered, covered in uh, in Buddhism. And when it does show up in, in that area, uh, quite often it's tamped down. You, know, you can't, I'm saying if you have a, if you have a teaching person that doesn't have that experience, might have lots of other experiences, might be extremely, be profoundly awakened and be able to help uh, people work with their mind. But they, if they don't have an understanding of uh, deep layers of consciousness, then they will do what? More than likely will have presumptions about it. Don't do that. You don't need to. You can just continually not know. To not know is actually, that's the dimension in which uh, one becomes to use the common word educated people who know don't go to go to college simply put so not knowing is a not such a bad uh, or difficult dynamic to a uh, way to describe your consciousness um, there's a lots of things I could talk about here but uh, based on what I'm saying here uh, I'm just saying that a person uh, to go a little further with uh, I'm, I'm saying that, the difficulty you're having with your mind may not just be uh, your own, um, um, may not just be your own individuality. There's a lots of room, that area of the mind, the consciousness, the dream world, the what's called in the Tibetan tradition, the bardo or the intermediate state between uh, this life and that, that area is, uh, uh, that has its reality and the, the rules there or the 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 dynamics there uh, are quite a bit different in some way they're more intense than they are here and when i say intense they're more they're more solid in their uh in their uh, ability to morph into from one thing to another you can't track anything in that area there, there's no time and there's fundamentally no three-dimensional space there is space but it's a, a different kind of space uh, the example I often use, if you want to know what kind of space I'm talking about, I'm going to say uh, a, a pink grapefruit cutting half laying on a red table and the knife just falls off on the floor. You see that in your mind or in your in what and whatever kind of dynamic you have you're, you're experiencing in some way what I'm saying and that, that the space in which you experience that is, is that that's the kind of space that I'm pointing to that is an area that can be explored that is uh, an ignored area because if something shows up there, the, the human mind in, that is embodied is so intensely grounded in this physical gravity, smell, taste, touch, all the sense fields are constantly telling you're here, you're here, you're here, this is it, this is it. And of course the teachings uh, quite often in most cases will actually start out with your groundedness, be grounded, sit down, hold still, feel the body on the floor, on the ground, uh, looking at the wall and stabilize yourself uh, in that way by just by holding still and then watch what continues to move and eventually when it's time for you to go into those deeper layers of consciousness if at all uh, it will begin to open up but the experience you have and the experience someone else has may, may not uh, may not particularly uh, uh, match up or even resonate or being even be in the same uh, uh, solar system So this is why I often say to students of mine, talk about your practice a little bit, but not too much. Don't compare notes about what's happening in your consciousness. Discuss the the Dharma, discuss Dogen, discuss uh, 30 verses of Vasubandhu, uh, discuss, talk about it. Study all this material we study eight, eight, nine times a day. More than that, if you count uh, all the other things that are going on, Dharma talks and so on. But but what's happening in your consciousness? Uh, tr- uh, track that. In other words, watch what's happening there. But don't don't cut into that that particular way of uh, that particular kind of subjectivity uh, by drawing by taking it back out of there and explaining it to someone. See if they're having the same experience. There's no way you can describe what's happening. It's like trying to describe water to somebody who uh, comes from the land of rocks. Well, it's kind of like a rock. This limp. No, it's not like that either. It's like rocks that drip. No dot. That won't work. And it's a silly example, but it's that kind of a thing. It's the same for someone who who uh, who really enjoys this kind of music and and not sure why, but they love this music. And another kind they don't like. But somebody else who likes the kind they don't like. Uh, you know, music is a. Uh, And any kind of music or literature art always shows up lots of differences in uh, people's, uh, what do they call it, taste. And if you don't like the kind of music they like, their their opinion of you might drop a little bit. They're not gonna appreciate you too much if you like some kind of music that they don't, don't care for. Have you noticed that? Or am I barking up the wrong pile of rocks? Take some questions now. If you have questions about this material, I'm not afraid to go any direction with it. Let's go.
1: When we begin to see or look at that our experience may not be arising out of our particular individuality, Mm -hmm. how can that help us um, alleviate our suffering? How does that help us work with suffering? Bowing,
0: Because you're looking at the very nature of the mind. And, and the mind, the suffering uh, comes from the the separation, the area of separation. And that separation just isn't here on this planet, on this earth, uh, between you and your and your mother, you and your, your enemy. Or it isn't just that. It's much, much deeper, that more profound and vast. Start somewhere. Start with your own mind. Sit down, hold still, as I say, over and over and over again. If you hold still and just watch what's moving, then because of the dependent origination that functions within you as a parent person with these nostrils, this, these ears, uh, these hands and this particular body, mind, makeup, uh, whatever you need to see, see, if you, the less you do, the more that's going to show up in front of you so that you can actually, uh, work with that particular element. And so, um, It's just that it brings you in into the area that the, the main difficulty is, like uh, Atisha's seven points of mind training says, work with the greatest defilements first, uh, and they might be any number of things, and they might change. You might start out with uh, ignoring or that you're ignoring it a lot. You're distracting yourself from things. You're a very obvious form of it, but that can also uh, turn up in other ways. The more you work with it, the more you do sitting meditation, the more you, the deeper you will go into this material. Good question. Keep coming, anyone. Is unbowing.
1: Is there um, something outside of the, the sense fields that we we have to investigate these areas that do not seem to be rooted in the senses, bowing?
0: Yes. In the in the five sense fields, those are those that area is a. Uh, sense of touch, sense of taste, sense of hearing, sense of smell, sense of seeing most people are locked down into that and just think that the, the mind is who they are. Uh, I am, I am uh, so-and-so and I can touch. I'm so-and-so and I'm looking at that. I'm so-and-so and I'm, uh, I'm a truck driver or I'm uh, a president of the, of the L CIO. I mean, some kind of dynamic, some kind of identity structure, structure that keeps all of that together. But yes, uh, You've meditated enough. You tell me what that's like when you sit down and spend hours looking at the nature of the mind and, and how that functions. And, it, and it's different for, for different people. Some people are, uh, have, uh, have a different, uh, uh, experience of those deeper dimensions. Some people won't go there. They know about it, but they will not go there. They'll stabilize themselves away from that, but that's still awareness. It's still awareness. Uh, awareness isn't about, necessarily about oh i'm so aware now i'm just going to go do this no it's seeing the way you've been holding back it's looking at the at the boundaries and the obstacles to going uh, deeper into those layers of consciousness or awareness keep coming kevin bowing kevin
2: focus on how can we explore something we can't see bowing
0: well, you can see, if I say uh, uh, two carrots and a radish, can you see them?
2: Boy, boy howdy.
0: Boy, howdy. Yeah. I Why did you look at just uh, the carrot? You don't care for radishes?
2: Well, a little goes a long way.
0: <laughs> I should have thought about who I'm talking to. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm just saying that the, the 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 mental dimension, because it's not it's not defined by what arises in it, as our room is, our furniture in our room, that's a kind of space, very practical, pragmatic, and and is relatively dependable, relatively. But the mind is just like it, just the, the location there. You can't find. You can imagine a room, but you can't, but even if you look in the corners of a room you've imagined, they change, they disappear, the walls fall down. You you if you try to uh, Remember somebody's face and you might get a flash of it. There's a second there where you see hear them and then you, but you can't maintain it a little bit. And some people may be able to maintain more than others. Uh, this is one of the, this strengthening, this is one of the practices that is, uh, is used in uh, creation completion practices of uh, tantric Buddhism, which uh, t- uh, tantra is, of course, the texts that support that teaching and the actual practices of tantra which are creation, completion, visualization, sometimes called deity yoga. You're visualizing really, really complicated things. And of course, the experience is how difficult it is, even though you might have done it hundreds and thousands of times. You still can't quite hold this chakra, that chakra, this chakra, and that chakra, and the deity in each one who around whose heart center there's a, uh, um, a mantras rotating in a language that you don't understand. That's one of the visualizations. I'm, I'm not... Poo pooing that or making fun of it. I'm just saying that's one way of training the mind. And even that is still has its limitations. And what is the limitation? The mind can see that, but it can't control it in the same way that we can control this world here, where we can grasp onto something. And when we have some kind of feedback that I have hands, this is a, a kotsu or a stick, and it's there and it's not disappearing. But in a dream, those of you who have had vid, or, uh, um, um, lucid dreams, that's a, a really powerful thing because in a lucid dream, there's that, that, for those of you who have had that, you could also read about it or there's ways to develop this, that you ha- you're in a situation, you know you're dreaming, you know that everything you're looking at is, is, looks real, but you know it's unreal, and all you have to do is think something and what's in the dream begins to change and 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 if you try to walk if you try to walk into something it can stop you but if you realize that you're in a dream then you can walk right through it and it's still illusory it's still an illusory situation and this is one of the one of the uh uh to jump into a completely different direction for a minute this is one of the the ideas around uh alien abduction uh over people who have these really if you've read any of this material it is it is incredible uh material that just by people's experiences are incredibly uh, intense and unbelievable even though they're bizarre but taking people through walls uh, into uh flying vehicles uh and 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 having some kind of understanding about the nature of matter that there seems to be some possibility of actually moving through so We don't know if the the bodies are actually going through there or if there's some kind of a dream body is being moved. Um, They're just, and of course, what do people look for? Proof. Are there any marks on them? Do they have any, uh, this happened, this happened, this happened. Is there any proof? Is there any marks on the body and so on? Not incorrect, but uh, very few people, uh, I don't know of anybody, that's actually trying to do this with the consciousness itself. trying to explore that area and I'm not recommending you do that I don't teach classes on on um, how to uh, um, figure out how aliens move from the ship to the from your your bedroom to their ship and take you along with them but it seems to happen an awful lot for it to be uh, um, untrue on some level further questions this is, a, this is a good area not an area I talk about much, so if you have questions about it, you should drag them out of me.
3: With the example that you gave of the alien abduction, um, you said that to explore with the consciousness itself. So what does it look like to continue to explore something like that with the consciousness itself?
0: Has that happened to you? I think so. Well, explore it with your consciousness, or not. There's no. The only thing I require as a meditation student is you sit down, hold still, and watch the movement of your mind, and that will train your mind. And I trust to use that kind of a word. I trust, or I feel, that if you do that, any direction you need to go will show up as a being choiceless for you. I, I don't think we all need to take on the project project of exploring uh, alien abduction necessarily. And unless that's something that is plaguing you or something you're having difficulty with, everybody has a little bit of an experience like that. I would say most people, maybe maybe not all of them, but some people do. I don't know if I could say most. I haven't taken a survey, but it seems like it have some experience, and others have had none, and they're not. That's to them, that's uh, just bizarre, and it's probably a sign of psychosis or some other uh, conception. I'd say don't conclude anything. Give everything a benefit of the doubt. That's a very bizarre area. And I would say if you're not particularly disturbed or plagued by it, I wouldn't do anything with it other than watch the things that are plaguing you and disturbing you. You know what those are. We've discussed it. And I would, as it says, in it, Atisha says, work on the greatest defilements first. Whatever it is that you're, and if, you, if I haven't told you as your teacher, you can come and ask me. You probably already know probably already know what that is. And when you say work on it, all we're saying is uh, that might show up as, a, as your particular way of doing it. I'm not saying you sit at the cushion and contemplate how angry you are. You can sit at the, cu- uh, when you sit at the cushion, all you're really doing is watching what moves. And whatever is moving, uh, that tends to, over time, without if you're not objecting to it, you're not agreeing with it, you're not ignoring it, uh, then the awareness itself, the actual witnessing part of the of the consciousness becomes very powerful it's not a person who's witnessing something it's just awareness is, is no longer tied down to an identity of me and my stuff my ideas my hopes, my fears your your your, your awareness is uh, um if it continues that way will be liberated at the same time you're still in a human form but you're not particularly a human and you realize it even though you're, you're in a human form Don't believe a word I say, but don't ignore it. You've heard me say that many times. Further? Kevin. Yes.
2: So Kazan, to what degree do affirmations help us to explore or work with this mental space that we ignore?
0: Okay. So... uh, You know, if we start out and say we're just a topic of affirmations, okay, which five thousand six hundred eighty-two billion affirmations are you talking about? Because affirmations are so uh, varied, and uh, not that there aren't a few that we all consider affirmations, but there's different kinds of them. And I would say, uh, I would say that's powerful. It depends on how you work with it. It depends on how persistent you are and how greedy you are for results, because the the result that when you have an affirmation, the, if there's not openness to what that affirmation is actually leading to, and rather you have some kind of an agenda about the affirmation, then you know you might as well be playing monopoly. When I say that, I don't mean to be demean anyone's affirmations. You can do whatever you want with affirmation. We do it all the time at the monastery by saying uh, supplicating beings in the light. I don't know if there's any beings in the light or, or not or not. Of course it's full of beings. They're all made of light. That's why you can't see them. Interact with me around that and uh, you'll get dizzy because I don't have a conclusion about it. And yet I I, I know and I don't know uh, that that's uh, completely a complete reality. It's complete reality, even though, where is it? So supplicate, Uh, pray for, pray for the welfare of others ask uh, you uh, those those energies cannot cannot do anything unless uh you supplicate unless you ask them may all beings be happy and at their ease very simple may all beings we do this uh this this whole area was very difficult for me when I first ran into this back and when I met uh Trungpa Rinpoche took a while
2: Kevin Bowling, I'm thinking, you know, on the mundane level, there's the looking in the mirror and telling yourself how fabulous and how many friends you have while you're lonely and everybody hates you. There's that kind of like affirmation, which science says, like, makes you feel worse about yourself if you're lying to yourself. But I remember specifically last summer when we were working with on in uh, Lucid Dreaming, there are affirmations in that in which one says, like, I remember my dreams and yes. so on and so forth, when you may well not do that. Like, so so. how is that? I, I understand vaguely about aspiring to or supplicating, but how does saying to yourself something that isn't actually your experience, planting a seed of suggestion uh, Mm -hmm. to fertilize. I'm sorry, but I'm getting lost.
0: Yeah, I can see you are. What's your question?
2: My, My question is, if what we are stating as a truth in the affirmation, like, I remember my dreams... How how does that help us to remember our dreams when, in the saying of it, that doesn't match our current experience?
0: Yeah, I I think it's just a way of uh, of shifting our our uh, attention. Um, There's no demand there. We're just uh, if there's a strong uh, uh, demand, a requirement, or a strong grasping uh, activity, then. uh, it may not, it may, uh, you could say backfire may not work or may not show up as something, or it may seem like a waste of time, but, uh, uh, cause and effect. I think that's what we're working with there. And, uh, and I think some of what Chazan was coming out of was, uh, stuff he had been trained as I recall. And, uh, I'm not for that or against it. I would say, look at it, see what it's like, um, work with, uh, has got, has quite a, ha, has had quite a bit of experience with, uh, dream states. Also, the, the, uh, the Buddhist teacher, Andrew Holacek, also has a lot to say about that, okay. as do uh, the, the, those who teach, teach dream yoga and all of that. I'm not promoting any, anything. I'm not really promoting anything other than train your mind. And whatever arises in consciousness, don't accept it, don't reject it, and don't look away. That, that's the basic thing that I encourage people to do. I'm just saying that the reason I'm giving this talk in this way is there's an incredibly depth, incredible depth to consciousness that it goes so deep that you there's no not even a metaphor for it, uh, other than look at the ground and then if you want to see the contrast, look out into space, especially at night. And then it gives you a feeling of how, uh, as they say, fathomless space is fathomless. That means there's no fathoms there, whereas in the ocean you know it's got a few fathoms so i would say affirmations uh in terms of uh i'm going to i'm going to remember my dreams i think it's just a simple very simple uh changing of your just like say uh i i will save all beings i vow to be with all things even though we continually see how that doesn't quite work or we can't do that but we aspire to do that just like uh if left on its own, the ego mind will just continue to chew on whatever it can and spit out what it doesn't want. Very, very much, very much uh, in a very self-centered kind of way. But if we have a, a kind of glimpse, which is called bodhicitta, we have a glimpse that there's a fundamental reality that by being so self-centered and so greedy and so protective and so paranoid and so, 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 so and so proud or so ashamed or so all the different things that happen to, to us through a uh, conditioned arising through, uh, through. Just not just your mom and your dad or your or your particular incarnation, but everything is just hammering at us constantly. That's saying you're this, you're that. You shouldn't be this. You should do that. You shouldn't do that. What about this? What about that? And it's uh, becomes a uh, uh, in Buddhism, it's called the ten thousand things. And this is why we, uh, why monks in ancient times socially distanced way before this started, <clears> then <throat> going into the mountaintop and just get away from everything and just train the mind. It doesn't show up that way here so much, but we do some of that. So we pull out of the society, out of our relationships with people for a few days, 10 days, 20 days, or, or 100 days. Whatever it may be, sit down and just work with our mind so that we can see more clearly the, 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 um, the shall we say, space of your existence, your life, your consciousness, not just this body. Uh, uh, it's just so expansive way beyond anything that this simple situation of sitting in a room, listening to someone talk. It's so vast and, and extensive, but we don't see it because we're, we're enamored of, and we're untra- entrained trained or hip- hypnotized by our thought patterns and our ideas and our valuations and our judgments and what's got to be cleaned and what, when to take the trash out. And, all of the things that have got us going and the interaction with other people who like us who don't like us who uh, have a problem with something we said or did and so we all there's all those complications and and of course in the sangha it's same situation except then it, so in some ways it's even harder because now you're talking to you're working with people who are actually trying to train their mind they're trying to be sincere they're, they are endeavoring to be honest and genuine and forthright and so on and still uh we uh, the abrasiveness still uh, shows up there, which, of course, is why we train our minds and why we, uh, we uh, try to uh, study the teaching. We study bodhicitta. We study uh, relative bodhicitta, just basically working with others in a relative way. And then ultimate bodhicitta is to see that this is unreal, as solid and real as the sound. It, it, it is uh, impermanent and unreal, and it is changing.
1: Show them bowing. Showed them. Sometimes you'll uh, bring up the concept of speed when talking about different um, levels of consciousness. Something like this might be going slower. and I can hold on to it. When when two people are showing up at different speeds, uh, um, how can communication occur?
0: The one who's going slower listens. Uh, that's the only way. There isn't any other way, other way to do it, unless there's that other way I haven't thought of or the other way that somebody else is teaching uh, in uh, Utah. I, you know, I, I don't know, uh, but that's how it looks to me. My experience over time is if somebody is speedy, just receive. If it's, if it's really difficult with that person, then, then you might have to limit the time you spend with them, but you can do that in a, in a respectful way. But it it allows that person to to by by talking to you by by speaking to you or by being very speedy or very active or very uh, even aggressive in their speediness. Um, you just just be with them. Uh, they 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 may find uh, possibly that the only other only other people that will meet them where they're at are the people that meet them with speed, which is recognizable. So that's more mirror-like to them. You don't have to do that. The more profound mirror is when they can see the speediness by your stillness. Powerful. You get no credential for it. They're not going to congratulate you. They're not even they might not even realize you're helping them.
1: of bowing. When when I happen to be the person that might have more relative um, Feedback that my reality is correct. Um,
0: I can't believe you're talking about yourself. Your reality is correct. Mm-hmm. Tell me more. How can I
1: see this? Someone else that's showing up differently isn't showing up incorrectly.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a powerful question. Thank you. You won't be able to see it as evidence. They won't show up in their activity or their their obvious uh, lack of correctness. But it will show up when you see that you are you are uh, uh, putting something on that you're you're adding you're the what they're actually doing is is what they're doing, and you may be correct and incorrect or whatever. But it's your addition onto it that is. Uh, is that it's your end. That's why all dharmas are without blame. And that's why, uh, you can blame everything on yourself. I mean, if you, if you listen to that slogan, drive all blames into one, take take responsibility for everything. That doesn't mean that you're a terrible evil person. It just means that you can do that more about that or, or less.
1: Does investigating deeper layers of consciousness offer us something that the surface doesn't?
0: What I'm talking about is meditation practice. So I'm just uh, this is what I'm talking about here. I'm just bringing up that there are different ways of working with consciousness. Uh, years ago, back in the 1960s, I, w- I started out working with uh, what's commonly called hypnosis or trance states. And I'm not not recommending that Uh I'm just saying that there's lots of different ways of working with the mind uh, other than just the sitting practice of meditation, sitting practice of meditation. Without that, all those other ones will take you into some kind of grasping or rejecting or some kind of uh, wanting to prove something or wanting to find out something and wanting some kind of a credential for it. It'll be more about you and what you're doing rather than uh, what, it, what it is that you're actually uh, looking at, because what you're looking at, you won't see unless you train your mind. And I can tell you what you're looking at at any time. It's not separate. It's not something else. You're always looking at yourself. If if that's a, if if you see this, you, an alien can come into your bedroom tonight. I'm not saying you won't be startled, but you won't be afraid. I mean, look at Chazan. He practices on bats. I mean, what's scarier than a bat in the middle of the night, where it's you can feel that it's fanning your face? Yeah, not easy. Go ahead, Junshu.
3: There are quite a few questions on YouTube. Good. The first is from Benjamin Swartout. He asks, what about the influence of the planets? Is there Tibetan or Zen astrology?
0: Well, there's, uh, there's Tibetan astrology, and then there's uh, there's people who are Zen, uh, Zen Buddhists who are astrologers. Uh, so, yes, I'm being silly, but I'm saying, yes, all cultures have some form of looking at the, something that's predictable. They want to find something that keeps doing the same thing. And this is so looking up at the stars. We, that in ancient times, they saw that this happened. Uh, every time this happened, that happened. Every time this happened, that happened. We started keeping track of it. And drawing conclusions people want to know why this what this is it's been very mysterious so that's another way of working with it i would say there's uh, there's all kinds of astrology tends to come from different cultures vedic astrology uh, there's a, a, tibetan, a tibetan that works with it a little works with the whole thing a little bit differently and, and just talk but, but it is basically talking about the elements and cycles fire earth water air and, uh, and also the cyclic movement of different uh, uh, planets, also fixed stars, constellations, asteroids, and using those as little clock hands, so to speak. Further questions? Mr. Bowen,
3: his next question. Same uh, question from Benjamin again. What is meant by one taste? And how does a being reintegrate and embrace the pleasure of unique taste after realizing the true or one taste that is beyond distinction?
0: Boy, you ought to teach a class on that. Um, so Rochig is a Tibetan for one taste. It is a teaching that is basically an ultimate teaching uh, uh, that it was spit out in a relative way uh, to say that everything you see is, has one flavor. There isn't, There's no elseness to it. When you see one taste, you taste one taste. You see one. Uh, it could be said you only see one thing, but uh, that might be extra. One taste uh, uh, is interesting. Using the sense of taste because it is so intimate. It's like the sense of smell is so intimate. You know, you can't. It's so intimate you can't really describe it to anyone. If you taste something, you can't describe. It how zucchini tastes to someone who's never tasted it. There's no way, but you can describe so, how something looks, a cloud, well, it's uh, puffy and it's uh, what do you mean by puffy? Well, you know, like cotton, what's cotton? Well, you know, that's that stuff that, you know, it goes on and on. You have to have some kind of a metaphor for every damn thing. So I would say to, to, I'll endeavor to answer your question. And I would say one taste is a teaching device or expression to help the, the yogi or the yogi uh, or the practitioner to stop differentiating. Uh, you don't have to get rid of desire. It's the differentiation that needs to be seen between liking this and not liking that, based on taste, uh, or based based on uh, all. It's really addressing is pain and pleasure, uh, sour and sweet. They're just tastes. You so you could say that if they're just tastes, then it's just one taste. Roachig. and it's not a. It's not an event. It's not something that oh, I used to be confused by that, but now I see exactly what it means. Unlikely that that will occur. If it does, come and see me. I'd like to hear all about it. If that sounds challenging, it is. It's a challenge. I'm looking forward to meeting meeting enlightened people. Send them my way.
3: A question from Susan in Trevor City.
0: Susan and Travis, are right ahead.
3: Are fractals a useful model for the awareness of how deeper perception operates?
0: Yeah, you, you could use any kind of a, a physical, uh, you know, or physics metaphor. Uh, quite often that's used, uh, like uh, particles and waves. They can't tell the difference. They look like when you get really in the really tiny area, uh, it's hard to tell what the basic substance is. Even the early, early uh, Buddhists were talking about, the atomists were talking about, that everything is, comes down to just some kind of a part basic building block. But that doesn't seem to be uh, fundamentally true. It has a truth to it, a kind of truth, because we have atoms, we have molecules. But if you keep going, even those tend to uh, be, uh, have parts. Everything has parts. If it looks like something, reflect on this for a moment. If it looks like something, and then, then it has parts. If it looks like a person, we start out with the five skandas, and then you can go into each one of those and break all those parts down. I suggest you start with the first skanda, the body, and then with that, you start with the, uh, with the digestive tract. Let's, let's break that all down in the smallest pieces. Or you could just go into the femur. Uh, look at all the, you know, have you ever looked at a list of femur parts? No, because they're waiting for you to make that list. I'm just saying that everything is, has a, a sense of being particles because of the first imputation that it's something. The, the somethingness, the, the, the separation of I'm here, that's over there. The, su- the objectivity of things is incredibly powerful. You don't have to get rid of that. You don't have to get rid of the, the subjectivity. Just see that it's unreal. If you see this is unreal, that will start to fade also, or it will take on a different uh, dynamic.
3: Another question from Benjamin? Please. Regarding meta-practice supplications, who are we asking? How can we relate to the ones we are asking without picturing or idolizing them?
0: You can go ahead and picture and idolize. I mean, if you want to, but you don't need to, you can just ask. Just just asking. And then any kind of energy, any kind of uh, a quality uh, is... Uh, uh, that is there, uh, you're addressing that. And if you need to use some kind of a deity form like Kuan Yin or like uh, Avalokiteshvara or Chenrezig, you need to use something of it, then that's what the deity yoga practices are about to give you some kind of a structure. Uh, just like you visualize yourself as Avalokiteshvara, or you visualize yourself as a white Tara, green Tara or a, a Yogini, Vajrasattva, uh, gives you a, a kind of a, a mental picture so that you can work uh with that in your mind the same way with uh if you're doing white tara practice uh you uh, it's a, a deity yoga where you visualize white tara uh, and in her heart center she's generating all kinds of goodness and happiness and long life and uh, all the positive things you can see and you're visualizing them go to others you're visualizing them using your imagination so it's just a way of exercising that uh that kind of direct uh, intentional uh, compassion treat Bhavana.
3: Another question from Benjamin. Yes. When we ask, may all beings be at their ease, I recognize that each person has a unique ease, yet how do I cultivate allowing them to have their ease rather than what I imagine ease may be?
0: Train your mind. Before you start doing that, sit for a couple of hours. And then at the end of that, then you can dedicate the merit, or you can you can supplicate for all beings. But first, find out who the supplicator is, rather than rather than create some kind of a really kind, loving person who's trying to help others. Do that too, but find out who you are. Sit down. L- look at the one of the best ways to uh, that I would talk about it is to develop uh, that kind of generosity and that kind of compassion for. Others is to um, not only to supplicate or do it that way, but also look at how how what a tightwad you are. Not that you're not that you're stingy. I mean, everybody has a little bit of tightening up area where they just don't want to quite let go. Help me with this if if you have a. I know we're past nine o'clock, but. There's all kinds of things I would like to talk about, but I can't do it without questions. So if you don't give me the questions, it's your fault that the talk, the talk sucks.
3: You talk about exploring deep consciousness and we're practicing the we're using the practice of meditation. So what's the difference between regarding these levels, just observing and exploring
0: if you're just observing, if you're just observing, you are exploring, because nothing lasts. So anything that's rising in the mind stream uh, does not last. And so there, there that way there's some kind of a journey quality uh, that is direct and going into that, uh, into those deeper levels or dimensions. Whereas when we're grasping, rejecting, we're looking for particular things or looking for validation, it's circular. The universe is a uh, To use a a blunt term, the universe is very, very accommodating. Consciousness always finds its own form. And you're one of them. I'm one of them. It finds whatever, dependently arisen, it finds whatever form it needs. And you can awaken within that walnut. You can awaken within that cloud. You can awaken within that mountain. You can awaken wherever you're at. You can awaken. Do it. Awaken. How do you do? How do you do that? you train your mind. And if you're here, if you're listening to me, that you're probably doing that.
1: I think your title was the ignored and ignored
0: frontier. Yes. Is there a difference between ignoring a frontier and
1: having a frontier not be available to you?
0: Uh, it's, yeah, it's not available because you're ignoring it. So I title it that. What are you, some kind of a plant come in here to ruin my parade you're not a plant i know you're not a plant if you were a plant you'd be you would probably be a what is that one kind of plant a cactus so ask you can you can ask the question again try to paraphrase it a little bit to help me go into the area that your question is actually about
1: if someone has access to what i might consider deep consciousness um Is that occurring in a a different area
0: than my experience well it's it could be uh, occurring in a different area you could to use that same term uh, than your experience because we don't have like when i meet people i can see people things that are happening with people that are having different kinds of difficulty and i endeavor as a meditation teacher to come as close as I can to meeting them where they're at without reinterpreting it for them or without interfering it. We're trying to repair something based on my preconceptions of who they are. So therefore, everybody I meet is a stranger. Every time I meet you, it's like I've never met you before. Even though we we talk about similar things, and it's not like I don't have a memory. But I'm looking at you receiving what's happening there as if I've never seen that before. More about that if you haven't. It's a good
1: area. It comes back to the question I had earlier, and okay. it's it's so easy when someone has what I might consider a not normal experience, or it's different than yes, what I would consider normal, um, that they're making something up or they're seeing something else. Okay, but what is validity in our perception
0: it's a good question and I would say that uh, as far as validity what is uh, fundamentally true and what is relatively true we, we just about have to go there so the relative truth uh, validity comes from things like proof or things like uh, if it's uh, um, if it's wet it's probably water even though water is not wet uh, if it's if it's I mean, all, all the relative uh, constructs that come up around that, thats uh, the elaborations there are pretty infinite. But what is fundamentally true, the a, the actual valid, as it's said in the in the tradition of valid cognition, to actually have a valid uh, view of what uh, is being perceived, uh, there, there's no proof for that. But but the, the way it's talked about uh, conceptually is you're actually looking. What is looking is actually what is being seen. So the actual viewing aspect of subjectivity is the same and not different from the actual what is being viewed aspect of what is called objectivity. And and it's it's not it's not uh, it doesn't ha- it's not an experience that comes and goes. So therefore, it, so it's difficult to get any kind of a, of a, a qualitative or quantitative uh, idea about how much or how little or how often. Or, but it's something that's, that is going, is there all the time. And we cover it up by being incarnated in this human form. Uh, it's a, quite an extensive cover up of that. And unless you stumble onto the spiritual path, meet someone who, who has met someone else, who has met someone else there's some kind of a lineage or some kind of a structure without a lineage um and that's thing it couldn't happen but it's less likely we need a strong form because it's easy to miss the whole thing miss misunderstand the whole thing Further question i'll take one more and then we should close since it's
3: uh yes is meeting people where they are the same as giving them
0: benefit of the doubt, I would say so.
3: Yeah,
0: you, know, you meet someone who your first thought about them is they're mixed up or they're confused, or they're but you know, you could give them a be- the benefit of the doubt and give them a chance to express themselves and, and say, ask them how they're doing, and and um, uh, you know, without being nosy particularly it depends on who it is and what all the other dynamics how well you already know them if it's some you've first time you meet them it's but you know what isn't it it's so easy all of us know this it's so easy to just jump to a conclusion about anybody it's just much easier just to conclude something how do i know i do it that's all i know about it in that area of just less is better you might not be able to might not be able to stop that concluding thing about when you meet people but you can be very very aware of it you can be aware that you have that particular knee-jerk uh, situation going on. Someone who, someone who is really uh, aware of how how much they're continually forming things like that, and forming and forming and forming things like that, uh, if they if they watch it and they they just see that they can't be somebody else, they can't get rid of that, they can't do away with it, then what? generally arises in, in, a, in an area like that, whether there's spiritual path or not, although that would be probably be somewhat necessary, would be uh, humility. You see that you actually can't, you, you know, it's you can't be somebody else. You have to be who you are. Uh, and on the spiritual hat path that we're, uh, the bodhisattva path, we're talking about tra- actually transcending that, individuality so it's no longer a solid being still there just not real shall we go ahead and dedicate the merit thank you for your questions this is a kind of a difficult topic i just wanted to have some more questions about deeper layers of consciousness and i got a few so thank you so much